As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Danielle Wiley hosts a great podcast called The Art of Sway. Danielle, tell us what you talk about on the show. The Art of Sway brings listeners inside the world of marketing as seen through the lens of influence. So each week I chat with an expert guest for a lively discussion about connecting ideas with audiences in an attempt to uncover all the ways influence impacts how and what we discover, purchase, and recommend to each other. Wow. And where can people subscribe? Go to theartofswaypodcast.com. Find the show at marketingpodcasts.net or search for The Art of Sway wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Hello, and welcome to the Marketing Distilled Podcast. My name is Jonathan Gaby, and I'm your master distiller here on the show. On this podcast, you'll hear from industry experts as well as myself to learn more about marketing and taking those complicated and hard to understand topics and distill them down into actionable strategies and tactics for your business, organization, or brand. So whether you're new to marketing, social media, digital marketing, heck, anything online, or you've been doing this for quite some time, you're sure to hear something new, get a fresh perspective, or reinforce what you've already learned. You might even get a new idea for your next marketing campaign, product, or service. And today is uh, June 30th, 2022. And today is social media day in the US and probably the world. It's another one of those probably silly national whatever days that people post on social media. You know, like National Cookie Day, National Hot Dog Day, National Take Your uh, Three-Legged Dog Out for a Swim in the Pool Day. It probably is a thing. I don't know. But this episode will be a special episode of Marketing Distilled because I want to share with you kind of my experience in social media from a user's perspective. You know, I, w- I want to answer questions like, how did I get into this business? Uh, what has been my digital drive, my social media sojourn, my online odyssey? Well, in this episode, you'll get just that. But let's first hear from one of our sponsors. This episode of Marketing Distilled is brought to you by Asana Partners. Great marketing programs are driven by teams with smart marketing strategies. 
Unfortunately, coordinating work across a fragmented mix of spreadsheets, emails, and shared calendars can result in teams losing sight of their strategy, misaligning on goals, and duplicating work. According to the Anatomy of Work Index, marketers spend as much as 60% of their time on work about work, like reporting status updates and chasing approvals. On top of that, 26% of all deadlines are missed each week due to an increased lack of clarity. Asana operationalizes your marketing strategy and executes all of your work in one place so everyone, from managers to individual contributors, has clarity on plans and goals. Get started today by going to jonathangaby.com slash asana. That's jonathangaby.com slash asana. Well, we're back with this next episode of Marketing Distilled. And like I said in the introduction, today is June 30th, 2022. And I'll all around the world, maybe um, just in the United States, I'm not sure. Uh, it's social media day. And for us marketers who are into social media marketing, whether it's Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, um, anything else you can list, we kind of make a big deal out of out of the day. Uh, for example, uh, friends of mine or people that I've met online or in real person are uh, going to and having a social media day conference at uh, San Diego. That's where I find Amanda Robinson and Jen Herman uh, speaking there. And then if you go further in uh, further eastward, let's say, you've got uh, folks that I know from Phil Mershon. Uh, Jen Cole, Christine Gritman, who was uh, the first guest of the uh, Marketing Distilled podcast in the last week's episode. Um, they're all in Wichita, Kansas for Social Media Day Kansas. And uh, here, closer to where I'm at in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, a fellow marketer, marketing professional agency uh, guy in uh, Matthew Dooley, his uh, whole operation has uh, pretty much taken over a coffee shop and they're working from uh, the coffee shop today and um, buying everybody coffee that goes there to celebrate um, National Social Media Day. And so it's kind of an exciting thing um, to to be participating in, to go, to learn, to network, and to get something that you may not have had before or just see friends that you haven't seen in a while. Uh, lots of people that I've gotten to know over the years are in some place, uh, in, in some shape or form, in, in one of those conferences, and, and I wasn't able to make it. So this is kind of my contribution. Um, and like I said in the intro, I'm trying to answer a couple of questions like how did I get into social media and what has been kind of my journey from, you know, not being a social media user at all to now being like a podcaster and a marketing uh, professional consultant that tries to help uh, businesses and brands do better on the internet. And so this podcast is really uh, that. So um, where do I start? I guess... I guess I start at the beginning, you know, uh, before I push the, the big red record button on this here uh, Roadcaster Pro, 
I I took some notes and and I kind of sketched out some some real highlights of uh, social media use over the span of uh, I guess my lifetime, and I just wanted to share that with you today. So I think uh, we'll start uh, in in high school, and in high school. Uh, so this is between the. Um, years of probably 1995 and 1999. So this is a whole millennia ago. Um, I was in high school and I was not, uh, I wasn't an athlete. I wasn't really that smart uh, at the time, but I feel like that I was pretty creative and um, artistic. I played uh, the trombone in band, and that was the worst thing ever because I always wanted to play the saxophone. Um, Daniel Imes, if you're listening to this podcast, I want to talk to you about that decision you you forced me in, but he's probably not listening, so who cares? Anyhow, um, in high school, I was uh, active in the drama club and uh, got into musical theater and uh, you know the performing arts because I was a better singer than I was uh instrumentalist. So I got into to musicals and during that time, uh, the Phantom of the Opera was uh, probably the, the biggest uh, musical that I, I was familiar with uh, during that time. It certainly was a show that had its heyday in like the maybe the mid 80s. And so it was well in its um, well in its uh, prime of, you know, performances and things like that. Michael Crawford has had moved on and they had other people play the, the role of the phantom. And so um, when, when I sat down or when, when I, you know, I was, I was hearing things or, you know, on, on the computer or something. And I heard about this website called GeoCities. GeoCities was a um it was a free service i don't think i paid anything for it but what it was is that you could uh pretty much take out uh, a small amount of website uh space on some on on the geocity server and you could have a little home on the on the internet like you could have your own website and the way that they structured their sites, like this was before, like anybody I think could could buy like a domain name. It was all on on their directory. So the way they had it arranged was based on your interest. And so my interest was in in the performing arts and musicals. And so they had already set up a kind of and and they used this neighborhood convention of of how they organize people so i took out a website called uh the persians chamber it's uh it's a play on uh the phantom of the opera if you read gaston larose book uh by the same name that kind of inspired everything they um uh they have a uh, section where they talk about the persians chamber Anyhow, um, I had taken out uh, a small website. Uh, it, the, the address was geocities.com slash Broadway slash stage slash 
1440. And so it was like a street number, 1440 at Stage and Broadway. And my site was about the Persian's Chamber, and uh, it, was, it was a pretty stupid site. I mean, don't, don't go clicking on a link or anything because um, it's not there now. GeoCities got bought out by Yahoo, and uh, they pretty much shuttered that project. But anyhow, that was my first taste in the Internet, really. I remember staying up late uh, on my parents' computer, and this was back when um, – to get on the internet, you had to dial up and dial into uh, your internet service provider. So uh, you kind of had to muffle the, you know, like the 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 dial up tone that that it would create. I should have put that in the podcast. I might do that later. But um, when when I first got involved in that, I learned things like. HTML coding and how to structure a website. And I really, I really kind of liked it. And I felt like I, I could bring some value to, uh, to other people uh, who were also um, starting up their, their websites. And so um, I volunteered or I signed up for, uh, oh, by the way, uh, I did have a branded email. Uh, it was uh, the Persian at hotmail.com. So, uh, yeah, don't even try to email that because I, I shut it down years ago. But anyhow, so I had, an, I had an email address. I had a website. And uh, I signed up to be uh, one of GeoCities community leaders. And what that was was a program for people that had the skill set of, like, website design and, um, you know, could could wrangle technology such as it were back in those days to help other people with their websites and their um their coding and you know structuring and you know how do you how do you make the text red or how do you put a background in and so it was very rudimentary and you could uh, say that you're a community leader at the time so i signed up for that and i, I didn't think a lot of it but one day, I, I went out of my parents' house that, you know, I was in high school, so I was in, in the house, and I went outside and checked the mail, and inside this big package was a GeoCities t-shirt, and it had the big uh, blue and green um, lowercase g and like a typewriter font or something like that on the front of the... Um, on the front of the shirt, and then on the back it said GeoCities, I think. And then uh, it also had like a ball cap. And I thought, huh, this is pretty neat. And I think there was like a letter about how they were thanking me for being a community leader and uh, keep up the good work and thanks for all you do for the community. And so I, you know, wore the hat a couple times and, you know, to this day I don't know what happened to the shirt and the and the hat because I don't have it. But... um I thought that was all all that it was. And then maybe like a month or so after that, I got a smaller, uh, like big, uh, a larger manila envelope, you know, that you know has big documents in there or whatever. And uh, I opened it up and it was from GeoCities again. And GeoCities had issued me, I think it was 600 shares 
of GeoCities stock. And then I was like, huh, this is interesting. I own a portion of this company. So I signed it over to my uh, parents' uh, financial advisor. I think it was Edward Jones at the time. But anyway, didn't think of it, think anything of it until um, several years later when I wanted to buy a guitar. And I says, I got stock. Let's sell stock and uh, get get the money out and, and buy, buy a guitar. Um, so probably made a bad decision because I could still have shares of Yahoo stock, but maybe that was a better idea because Yahoo's not doing so well anyway. Um, so through GeoCities in, in my high school years, I, I learned how to code HTML a little bit. I mean, I'm, I'm still not great, but I understand it enough to be, you know, dangerous and, uh, appreciate those who really do code like my good friend, Andrew Dodson back, back home in Frankfurt. Um, and created this, uh, this website called the Persons Chamber. And while we're talking about websites, we should all also talk about social media. And in, in the early or the, the, the late 1990s, so we're, we're now like 1989, uh, 1980, or excuse me, 1998, 1999, um, there wasn't a lot of social media, but I also remember finding out about this website called uh, the the foyer and the foyer was a fan site for phantom of the opera uh, fans. And I think the website was P O T O phantom of the opera.org or whatever. And the, the way it worked was that you could, um, you could sign up for an account. So you had an account with that website you had to have an email address and I already had that. So, and then, then you had to have like a name. And so I used the Persian. So I, I would I call myself the Persian online with uh, Phantom of the Opera fans and logged on to this website called the foyer. And the foyer was, uh, like I said, this, uh, this forum for Phantom of the Opera uh, lovers and, and fans that, that love the musical. And so, um, I got involved in that and that was, that was like the first real, uh, seeing of like a web point, web 2.0 or, or, you know, interactivity, um, in, in real time as, as much as you could in those days. And like you would post a message on their guest book and it would kind of, kind of look like a blog and you couldn't really tell what the last, um, or, you know, you would post your message on it. Right. And then you hit enter and people would read it and then they would comment with their, with their story or, or with their, with their post. And then your post would get buried in the other post that would come after that. And so the next time you logged in, it uh, it was a real challenge some days because there would be more activities than other uh, than others on trying to find your um, trying to find your last post and then read the the next posts after that and then make your comment to continue the process again. So like think now like Twitter like Twitter just goes goes bonkers with. Um, 
new stuff all the time and it keeps you uh, up to date because it's structured in such a way that you can keep up with it when you can. So, so that was an interesting thing as well. And then when I got off to college, uh, this is now in like 99, uh, 2000. So I, I was in school from 99 to like 2005. So, I mean, I, I stretched about four years in the five and a half. Don't, don't yell at me, but college was kind of a, um, uh, largely, largely social media free, uh, time in my life. I think it was really, really interesting because, you know, we didn't have phones back then that could take really good pictures. And so we like, I still don't, I, I don't have a lot of pictures of college and it's probably for the better, uh, for the betterment of society and in, in, in my career anyway. So, um, you know, that we, we didn't have uh, a lot of, a lot of different ways to take photos which is kind of sad too, because I don't have pictures of me being in shows at Northern Kentucky University, where it's a theater major, and uh, things like that. But um, as I'm as I'm talking right now, I also remember that in college, I I volunteered with uh, one of the professors at the theater school to kind of keep their portion of the website up to date, like adding things and and doing doing some light uh, web design and web development as such as it were, because I, I kind of knew HTML and I kind of knew how to design things. And so I just offered up to, to, you know, have that as, as kind of like a side thing. So in college, I guess I was a, you know, web developer light or whatever for my, uh, school's theater company for my school's theater uh, department. And so that was interesting uh, to say that that I helped uh, the Northern Kentucky University Theater Department with their website. And I, I, I don't remember what I did. I didn't keep anything with, uh, with me. Um, they've since totally re- redesigned the web, website now that it's 2022. It looks much better, but, you know, that's the way it goes. Uh, so that that would put us like into the 2005 area, and then uh, thing my life kind of took a different turn. I, I I didn't do theater anymore. I ended up going to seminary in I, I guess the fall of 2006 or 2007. I, I don't remember which, and I'm not going to look that up right now. Um, but that was the time that. Uh, I was in Sampy Hall at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, and um, I heard about this thing called Facebook, and I said, well, I have a sbts.edu email address, and what you had to do back in, in those days was to be affiliated with the, uh, uh, an institution of higher learning. So uh, Southern Seminary was an institution and still is an institution of higher learning. And I decided to sign up for Facebook while at seminary. Now, to, to say that this was a radical thing that I was about ready to uh, embark on and to get involved with would be an understatement. Because I still remember, 
I was sitting in my in my dorm room, and I had just signed up for it, and I I remember it being like a flood of information, and a flood of people, and and a flood of things that you wanted to be a part of, and I I think the first time I got on Facebook, I I clocked it. And, and I just made a note of how long, you know, the time that I started and the time I, you know, finally logged off. And I think I must have spent two and a half hours on Facebook just looking at, like, what what is this? Why am I here? Oh, here are friends that I used to know in high school, or here are people that I know at seminary. Here are people that I haven't seen in couple, three years, or, you know, there's all this stuff going on. And I think, like I said, I spent two, two and a half hours in one sitting, just, just getting familiar with it. And I still, to this day, I'm, I'm just flabbergasted that, uh, they designed something such that you would spend all this time on the computer. So that is another highlight marker of, of my social media journey. Uh, we're going to take a break, uh, take, uh, we're going to pay off a couple ad, uh, pay off a couple of bills here and we will be back with part two. This episode of Marketing Distilled is brought to you by WP Engine. WP Engine is the world's leading WordPress digital experience platform that gives enterprises and agencies the agility, performance, intelligence, and integrations they need to drive their business forward faster. WP Engine's combination of tech innovation and an award-winning team of WordPress experts is trusted by over 60,000 companies across over 140 countries to provide counsel and support to help brands create world-class digital experiences. I use WP Engine exclusively because of their strength in using WordPress and their unbeatable support when I need help. Get started by visiting jonathangaby.com slash WP Engine. That's jonathangaby.com slash WP Engine. Well, thank you for uh, tuning back in and sticking with me in this show. Uh, I'm Jonathan Gaby, the uh, master distiller of the Marketing Distilled podcast, and this episode is about my social media journey. So um, I talked about high school and my experience doing websites uh, or doing my own website with GeoCities and getting like the hat, the shirt, and the, you know, thanks for being a uh, community leader, and then getting uh, shares of stock in GeoCities and, you know, not thinking much of that. Uh, So fast forwarding from college and seminary and my Facebook journey of two and a half hours the first time I logged in, uh, that'll put us probably around uh, 2006, 2007, 2008, around that time. And in this um, in this phase of of um, of life, I got into political campaigns and you know running for office and speeches and you know 
uh, GOP. I, I, I was a Republican back then. I, I'm a Republican now. Don't judge me. But um, I had uh, gotten involved in politics and um, largely not in not into social media as much as I am now. Um, the iPhone came out, and uh, I think that was around 2007. I think I've seen some stuff on uh, the internet about this being like the time that the first iPhone was was uh, uh, released, and people camping out for this new product that nobody thought that they needed, but they did. And so, um, getting into politics and things like that, and I think that the the thing that really kind of got my attention at this point was that in, uh, in 2008, um, we'll go back a couple years in 2008, it was a real interesting year for, uh, politics in general and, uh, communication online in, in particular in that, uh, in 2008, we had a race with, uh, Senator John McCain and Senator Barack Obama. And if anybody remembers anything about 2008, you'll remember, especially from a political standpoint, that uh, Barack Obama had figured out how to use the internet to leverage and, or he leveraged the internet to wage and win a political campaign on a national level. And that got my attention because we, as, as Republican party uh, politicos and operatives, we are still kind of uh, getting, you know, getting our asses handed to us uh, from the Democrats because their, their digital operations are so good. I think we're catching up now, uh, but I'm, I'm not tracking it as closely as, uh, some people are these days, but right or left, it's not, it's not the issue. Uh, what, what is the issue is that I really started to see the, uh, the power that is the internet and, uh, the, the power that is on digital media. So in 2008, I'm sure that they had, uh, MySpace and Twitter was a thing, uh, coming online. Uh, Facebook was was uh, was a thing, and email marketing was a thing, and obviously uh, websites and email and, and and all those things were a part of this campaign apparatus that they put together. Oh, by the way, Google and and uh, display ads and 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 all the all the rest. So after after the McCain campaign uh, lost their campaign, I was. Uh, I worked up in New Hampshire in 2008, and so in 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 that regard, I uh, it was like November 5th, 6th, whatever. And I remember packing up my belongings and coming back home to Kentucky, kind of with my tail tucked in between my legs, and still kind of wondering how the heck did they beat us with this digital operation? Keep in mind that um, the uh, the candidate that I was working working for and with uh, John McCain was known for being like the first person that like used the internet to fundraise. He he was the first candidate that 
raised, I think, a million dollars for his campaign when he ran for uh, president earlier, I think in 2005 or 2004. Yeah, it had to be 2004 because it's uh, four-year terms, but maybe even earlier than that. Um, dates and times are fuzzy, and I didn't research that all that much, but you kind of get the idea. And so we were all kind of wondering, you know, how did, how did this happen, in other words? And so Republican operate, uh, operatives all over the, the fruited plain of this, uh, this fair country of ours uh, got their heads together and tried to figure out what they did and what the, the Democrats were doing, what Barack Obama's operation was doing. And they had launched um, the, the Republican Party and conservative uh, politicians and, and organizations. They, they wanted to find out why and try to, to learn from our mistakes. And so uh, shortly after 2008, I think it was 2009 early, uh, I had heard about the Leadership Institute which is in Alexandria, Virginia. And it's a right of center nonprofit that um, trains uh, people in all manners of politics and conservative causes. Anybody can take a training. They're not going to turn people away because it is a nonprofit, uh, obviously. But they they had this course. Uh, it was called, um, I think it was called Internet Activism School. And I was intrigued by that because it, the, the curriculum was about social media and it was about uh, websites and blogging and email marketing and, and things that they probably could have used in 2008 when John McCain was on, on the ballot. And I'm, I'm not saying that we didn't use those things, just that how they were doing it was different than how we were doing it. So um, I went to this co- I went to this training at the Leadership Institute and uh, I got to meet people like uh, Katie Harbeth, uh, which uh, at the at the time she was at the school, she was uh, leading the digital uh, campaigns at the National Republican Senatorial Commission. And she had she's since gone on to do things of her own. But uh, after she worked for the uh, NRSC, uh, she got a job working at Facebook. So um I, uh, you know, have the opportunity to, to tweet or text somebody that uh, has worked for Facebook before, and I think that's really cool. And then I uh, got to meet and, and learn from folks like Liz Mayer, who's a strategist, like a, she's like communications and, uh, you know, messaging and, and things like that. And then a guy named uh, Patrick Ruffini, who's now... Uh, working on his own, doing data analysis and things like that. So I learned all these skills and I I was uh, putting them together for a good cause, I think, to, you know, win elections and, um, you know, get, uh, get a message heard. That's really, that's really what I've learned from doing this anyway, is that uh, I'm, I'm kind of a missionary in, in a sense that I like to spread a message and if there's a message that I believe in, I want to use all the t- all the tips, tricks, tools, assets that I can to make that um, make that message known and persuade people to take my side of the story. And so, um, learning all these tools, and 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 I started working with some candidates that needed websites developed and 
emails sent out for things. And I just started keeping, uh, I, I, I got started doing politics mostly. And then I thought, well, you know, the, the thing about this is, is that politics in, in, a, in a political campaign is really like a startup in a sense that um, there is a definite beginning date, and that is when uh, the candidate files for office, whether it's state rep or you know state senate or you know whatever uh, the whatever the the um, the office is, and then they have a definite end date, in that you have to do all this work to get your people to vote or to buy your product at a specific time, and that is election day. So you've got from, you know, when you file to November 4th, let's say, the first Tuesday of uh, November. And um, that that kind of intrigues me because it, it is a startup and it is something that you, it, it's like a pre-launch, I guess, is what you're, it's like your, your book is coming out on November 4th and you're doing all this work to get people on board into buying your book or your service or your coaching package, whatever you want to say. So using those things uh, that I learned on the, on the political side of it um, was, was kind of the genesis that brought me into just using my skills in, in, in marketing for businesses and causes and brands and all that other stuff. I would be remiss if I didn't say that in 2009, I believe I signed up for Twitter. I think Twitter was my first real foray into uh, the social media space. And Twitter blows my mind. I think if, you know, people ask the question, um, what are the, um, what's your favorite social media platform? And so you've got a range of options. You've got, um, you've got Facebook, you've got Twitter, you've got Instagram, you've got Snapchat, and you've got um, TikTok and some other things like, like that. And so everybody has their own um, preferred social media. And you know, some people say they like pictures, they, so they like Instagram, or um, they're really kind of serious and they like LinkedIn because it helps them with their career and they're all stuffy and stuff like that. But um, for me... I think my favorite social media profile is Twitter. And there's a range of reasons why I think that. But I think generally I will say this, that Twitter has, Twitter has really just served as the largest um, clothes dryer in the world. And it has really just been, like if you took the earth and you threw it in a clothes dryer and then set the clothes dryer on high and as long as you can stand it. Um, that is what Twitter is like because it has shrunk the world in such a way that you can connect with gosh darn near anybody on the planet. So long as they have a Twitter profile. And I remember in uh, in my earlier days of social media, that I would be connecting with lots of really important people. 
especially in politics then, because I think Twitter is a really great platform for politics because of a wide range of uh, issues and, and reasons, none of which I'll go into about Donald Trump and, you know, orange man bad. And, you know, I'd prefer mean tweets and $3 gallon uh, gas prices, but this, I, I'm not, I'm not talking about politics in a policy um, scenario and just talking about politics as a frame of reference. And uh, so, so being active in politics uh, for, for that much of time, I wanted to connect with political people. And I remember having really interesting interactions with, you know, nationally known folks. I remember uh, connecting with Carl Rove over Twitter for like maybe half a second. Uh, he retweeted uh, something that I asked him or, you know, he, he engaged with me at some, at some level. And then uh, I also remember just connecting with a lot of people here in, uh, in the state, uh, in, in my state of Kentucky, actually it's a Commonwealth, but I digress. And uh, just connecting with lots of people and getting to see what people were talking about, what the news was doing. I mean, news broke on Twitter before CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, CBS, NBC, ABC really picked up on it. Uh, in fact, um, I think it was, it must have been 2009, 2010, um, when uh, Anthony Weiner, uh, when Weiner Gate happened. And I followed Anthony Weiner on Twitter and I, I saw him, uh, well, I, the, the, the story of Wienergate goes is that he was, he had inadvertently texted um, a picture of, of himself uh, inappropriately to someone else. And he thought it was a direct message or something like that, but it went on the public timeline. So everybody saw this thing. And the, the next tweet that Anthony Weiner had tweeted was at least the toaster was or is loyal. And so pundits and observers and people who were tracking this stuff had already started breaking the news that something big was going to happen. And as politicians go, they try to, they, they recede and they uh, try to figure out what they're going to say before they say it because they don't want to make a fool of themselves, but you know, they still find themselves in this problem. Anyway, Anthony Weiner was supposed to have a, press conference, but then um, Andrew Breitbart, who is no longer with us, uh, decided to hijack the um, the press conference. And that's when you saw this, uh, you know, blogging and social media and breaking news before um, the actual news people got a hold of it. it was really in its heyday. And now it's kind of, it's blended and it still kind of happens, but it's, it's not as prevalent anymore. So uh, the Leadership Institute helped me, helped me learn those skills and helped me learn, um, you know, how to promote and how to, you know, message and things like that and working for a cause. Um, and then I think uh, Twitter, like I said, it's shrunk the world and, you know, I, I can tell you that nothing is truer than um, 
you know, you, you connect with all sorts of different people. Uh, you can have uh, Twitter chats with people. Uh, I, right now I'm just reviewing my timeline for things that I've said and um, you know, just elements that I, that I would bring up to. And, you know, just, just being able to connect with anybody on social or in the world using social media is an amazing, amazing thing. So that's like 2009. And, then the rest of the story happens. And to tell that story, we're going to take a break and come back. This episode of Marketing Distilled is brought to you by Asana Partners. Great marketing programs are driven by teams with smart marketing strategies. Unfortunately, coordinating work across a fragmented mix of spreadsheets, emails, and shared calendars can result in teams losing sight of their strategy, misaligning on goals, and duplicating work. According to the Anatomy of Work Index, marketers spend as much as 60% of their time on work about work, like reporting status updates and chasing approvals. On top of that, 26% of all deadlines are missed each week due to an increased lack of clarity. Asana operationalizes your marketing strategy and executes all of your work in one place so everyone, from managers to individual contributors, has clarity on plans and goals. Get started today by going to jonathangaby.com asana. That's jonathangaby.com asana. All right, thanks for uh, tuning back into the show. I wanted to uh, say thanks for tuning in as well and for hanging with me for this. This has been a fun kind of uh, way to reminisce of all the things that I've been active in in social media on uh, Social Media Day. So in 2009, I find politics and get involved in Leadership Institute and start seeing that Twitter is really uh, shrinking the world and helping us connect with lots of different people over the internet. And then at this point, as I'm transitioning from working solely and in, in mostly in, in political circles, I find out about this, uh, this guy named Michael Hyatt. And he wrote a book called Platform, Get Noticed in a Noisy World. And this book really kind of solidified everything that I had been kind of learning and experiencing over the course of the, the last, you know, maybe uh, three to five years. Um, because this book really set up a systematic way of okay, you've got this, this message, you've got this thing to say, you've got this, this product to sell. How do you get it online and how do you get it to, to market to, to get more people to buy or to participate with you? And so Michael Hyatt, he's a former CEO of uh, Thomas Nelson Publishers, and he built uh, his own business uh, as he was exiting Thomas Nelson with all the skills of, of marketing and, and sales and uh he was blogging about social media and technology at the time, things that he was interested in. And over time, he got enough information to write a book about his experiences in doing so. And Platform was the, the encapsulation of all his, his learning. So 
He talks about website design, website development, what page you have, how to take great pictures, uh, social media strategies, tactics, and email marketing. Uh, you know what what to put on your business card. A whole a whole range of different things about how to get a message to the people that would read your blog post or subscribe to your email address or or whatever. And this was like the book that really took me and got me thinking about marketing, about uh, social media, about how to use this in a way that would make money and to kind of change the world. You know, if you have a message and you want to sell it or get it out in front of people, this is the way to do it. And along the way, I, I got involved in marketing organizations and started following more people in the business space and got to, got to know lots of different people from there. And uh, I remember participating in the Louisville Digital Association at the time. This is like around 2016, so we're, we're fast-forwarding a little bit here. Uh, oh, let me let me backtrack. So when I got involved in, in Michael Hyatt stuff with uh, platform, uh, get noisy, uh, get get noticed in a noisy world. Excuse me. Uh, I had been blogging about politics. I had been blogging about people that I was uh, noticing around the state, and uh, kind of using that to build a, a platform and a brand, and uh, got the. I uh, got the opportunity to serve on some things uh, like the Louisville Digital Association because I really wanted to learn more about this marketing thing. And the only way that I knew to do that is to get along, get get around people that were doing it and kind of build the network and try to see how um, how real marketers were doing things and how real people were doing their work. And so LDA served as a really great opportunity for me. I'd gotten involved in, in them uh, as a as just like a as a member as a participant, and they they had these different things around uh, Louisville once a month, and I remember meeting uh, a fellow by the the name of Jay Bear, who is a prolific writer speaker. He's probably the top uh, speaker in social media these days, and. He also was involved in politics at some point. I, I, I was wanted to talk to him about that, but I never have. Um, but he he uh, he's written books like Utility, Hug Your Haters, um, Word of Mouth Marketing, and, and and all these different things. And then got to meet you know other people in in the marketing space to to kind of build my network and build my my, my platform and things of that nature. So uh, 2016, there we go. So we got about maybe five, six more years. And uh, it's kind of in this time that I've really been um, certainly an experimenter of social media. Uh, for instance, like I'm pretty steady on uh, Instagram, on website, and on my podcast here at Marketing Distilled and Twitter. But there are some social media tools that or social media channels, let's say that I just don't, just don't get on because it's just not me. And those, those might be like uh, Pinterest. I'm not into throwing like themed parties for, you know, my, my girlfriends or anything like that, because I'm a dude and I don't really pay much attention to Pinterest as far as that goes. Um, I'm not, I'm not big on Snapchat because it's a 
kind of big for me. And in fact, I think I deleted my account this year because I just wasn't using it and better to, to not be on something and uh, not have anybody like find you and say, why hasn't he put out a Snapchat in six years or whatever? It's because I'd never use it. So why would I use it? Just get rid of it. And the same thing is with uh, TikTok these days. Uh, I just sat in on a on a boot camp sponsored by Sprout Social and a young lady named Barry uh, Rosenstein, who is uh, the TikToker for Auntie Anne's uh, pretzel company. And I learned a lot of great things. I mean, it's the, kind of the same format of audience and you know how to use the 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 platform and whatnot. But I'm just not a TikToker, so I, I wanted to learn, and you know maybe maybe hear something that I hadn't heard before. But by and large, TikTok is not for me either. So I've settled on you know Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Those are my big uh, my big four platforms. They're on, on my first page of the of the iPhone that I have. Um. So where am I going with this? those are the tools that I use and there are just some things that I have not uh, yet uh, started or I've started and, and I've experimented with. That's what I'm saying. Experimentation. Uh, on social media day, you might hear lots of things about new things, but if they don't make sense to you and if they don't uh, serve you a purpose, then it's better just to stay off the thing and and not have to worry about it. And plus, TikTok's, uh, TikTok gives me the willies because I, I don't I don't know if it's uh, some sort of a Chinese thing that they're that they're harvesting all this data. They're going to come back and use it on us sometime. It's probably conspiracy, and I should edit that out. But this is a live show as far as it goes with me. Um, so that's 2016. That's that's right right uh, bringing it current to today. I'm I'm really uh, now in this new uh, in in this phase of my life. Um, I'm going to to grad school at the University of Cincinnati, Carl H. Linder College of Business. Go Bearcats! And in school, I'm learning a lot about market research, about product development, about buyer behavior, and uh, some other things that I would not have been able to to learn. Had I not gone to school, and I'm I'm really fortunate for the opportunity, and it's really, um, you know, I have a bachelor's degree in something unrelated to to marketing, and so I want to get um, get formal education, formal training, a degree to kind of show that that I have the chops to do what I want to do, and so that's why I've gotten the the degree, and hopefully it opens some doors to to employment or. Um, higher retainers for uh, clients that I might serve in, in on a later date. Um, so I'm learning about marketing and I am learning about more social media tactics from the from the sense of like Facebook ads and uh, there's 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 all sorts of different certification programs that you can go through and learn and grow your skill set. And I think that's where I'm at right now is that, one, I'm trying and, and I'm doing everything I can to build a network still and to learn about social media and to continue learning about, um, I guess, more advanced te- advanced techniques of social media uh, from where I was just learning how to uh, do a website. But now, 
Like you've got it built. What do you do with it? Oh, so here's where content marketing comes in. Here's where uh, search engine optimization, otherwise known as SEO, comes into play. Because, you know, sure, you've, you've got the basics down, but now how do you do this to to really make uh, your clients happy or to, to make your business run? Because you've got uh, the chops, you've got the skills to grow a business using digital market digital marketing and then you know learning skills like um ad placements on uh over the top uh arrangements so like when you're uh watching videos on netflix or um binging hulu or hbo max or disney plus or you know any any of those things that you have apple tv for how do you get those ads in i don't know how to do that yet but i'm going to learn someday Soon, probably. Uh, so, so this whole social media journey has been uh, kind of a wild ride. Uh, it's about fifty-five minutes on the episode, and uh, about an hour is a is a good time to kind of just wrap it up. So, as as most people uh, say, as we come to a close, um, social media for me has been this wild ride of getting exposed to so many different people and so many different um, connections that you might not otherwise have if you weren't on Twitter or if you weren't on Facebook or if you weren't on LinkedIn or whatever you may be on. And it really has opened up my eyes to, to other perspectives and it has shown me that with the right tools and the right uh, education and the right execution, you can really change the world if you used um, social media, uh, Twitter, Facebook, and, and websites and email um, to re- to really get an audience or to to get a message out, and then attract people to that message, and then grow that uh, audience to consume your content more and to do bigger and better things. Now, as we, uh, as we move forward into the digital space, I'm sure that people at the social media days in San Diego, Wichita and, uh, Cincinnati and and other places around uh, the world that I'm not, you know, that that I don't know about, there would be some discussion on web three and, uh, NFTs and, uh, cryptocurrency and, and things like that that is probably the next phase of the internet and where we're headed. But at this point, I'm still trying to master what I've got before we move on to uh, other things. Um, I'd like to know if you've made it this far, I'd like to, I'd like to know what your favorite social media um, channel is, whether that's TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Pinterest, Facebook, LinkedIn, whatever you've got, um, let me know. Uh, if you don't mind, send me a tweet on uh, on Twitter at Jonathan D. Gaby. That's Jonathan D. as in Daniel. In fact, that is my middle name. Uh, Gaby, G-A-B-Y. And if you're not on the Twitter, then maybe you can shoot me an email at contact at jonathangaby.com. And I'd love to hear what your favorite thing about social media is. And uh, that concludes, I think, this special uh, episode of the Marketing Distilled podcast. 
Thanks for tuning in. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Steve Turney hosts a great podcast geared toward mental health marketers called The Boost. Steve, tell listeners what you cover on the show. The Boost is our podcast, and the tagline is conversations with people promoting mental health, and that's what it is. So it's marketers, company executives, therapists, and mental health advocates talking about what they're doing to move this industry and this important thing called mental health forward. Amazing. And where can people subscribe? I'm big on LinkedIn, so you can find us there, just uh, slash Steve Turney, or you can find the show at marketingpodcasts.net or search for The Boost wherever you get your podcasts. You heard him. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.